0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Normandale Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We're glad you're listening today to one of our sermons. Our hope is that it is encouraging for you as you seek to know Jesus better. If you are helped by this sermon, we want to invite you to support the ongoing ministry of Normandale. You can do that by going to normandale.org give. Thanks. Now open in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse, starting in verse 19 this morning. And while you're turning there, I'll get you caught up on where we have been in this book. So we are walking through, it's three weeks, this is the third week of this series in which we're walking through Paul's prayer to the Ephesian Christians. And uh, we've done it as the, uh, during this time because it's the beginning of a new semester, And uh, and so as we began our new semester, resetting our priorities for the new school year and everything that corresponds with that, we wanted to see what is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus and what were his priorities and what did he want them to know uh, for their season. And so that's what we've been walking through. So the first week, what we saw was Paul gave thanks for their great faith in Jesus and for their loving church family. And that was a great message for us um, and that we saw how great of a thing it is and how great of a grace it is for us to get to be involved with a local church family. Uh, And the second thing we saw last week was that Paul then went on to pray that the Spirit would come to the Ephesian Christians and grant them an increased awareness of the great hope that they have in Jesus and also of the great value that God holds uh, them in. And so how valuable they are to God. Now we left off the third thing that Paul wanted the Spirit to grant them an awareness of until this week because it kind of got a little bit longer uh, with these verses 19 through 23. And that's what we're going to look at today is the third thing, the third truth about God that, that Paul wanted the Spirit to reveal to us. And so in addition to the great hope that we have in Jesus... In addition to the awareness of how valuable you and I are to our Father in heaven, the third thing that Paul wants the Spirit to grant you an awareness of is how great of a power there is available to you. How great of a heavenly power there is available to you in your very real life. And so let's pray. We'll look at the Word, and then we'll get into it. So Father, we come before you. We thank you so much. For this opportunity we have to come and to hear from your word. And so I pray that you would grant us just the ability to believe concerning the great power that is available to us. And it's already working in us. And so help us to believe it and help us to live in it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's look at the text together, starting in verse 19. Actually, no, let's go back verse verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or illuminated so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. And so this morning out of this text, I want you to get two things out of this concerning the power that's available to you and me from our God in heaven. It's this. I want you to see the availability of power and the vastness of the power. The availability and the vastness. And so first, I want you to see the availability of it. So in one way or another, Paul wants the Spirit to teach you and me that there is, in some sense, a great power available to us. There is a great power at work already in you, if you believe in Jesus, but available to you as you seek to live for Jesus. Now, there is something you need to know, like thinking about this, like Christianity, often when we think about our hope or our faith in Christ, often we tend to think about a future reality, right? Often we begin to think about This hope that's awaiting, or one day all things are going to be made right, or we're going to pursue Christ now, and then we're going to see it in fullness one day down in the timeline, but there's actually a part of Christianity that has to do with your life today. See, it's not only about a future hope that's going to be made real in the not-yet time, but there's also an aspect of Christianity that is supposed to be taking part in your life today in the already. Now, God calls you and me, when we believe in Jesus, to a new life in him, complete with a new mission, with new ethics, with new relationships. And so we're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to bear godly fruit in our lives. We're supposed to promote love and good works among one another in our church family. And, uh, and Paul talked about this later in, the, in Ephesians in chapter 4. He says this, but that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him. And we're taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. We said, this is what you're supposed to do. Take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and in purity of the truth. And so the Christian life that you have entered into when you follow Jesus is not solely about a future hope, but it's about a new life you live today. But here's the thing, being told to do something, being told to live a new life, to become a new person, to put on new routines, to form new relationships in and of itself, and actually being able to carry it out are two different things, right? If you're told, listen, you're a new person now, you have a new life now, you have new relationships now, but physically being able to carry that out and see that become a reality in your life is really difficult. It's a difficult thing. And like, as, you, as you and I know, like, sometimes it doesn't pan out when you just try new things. You're like, I want to become different. So that's why, if you think about it, when we have New Year's resolutions, sometimes they don't pan out. That's why you have new ones every year, right? Or like sometimes like when you start a new diet, you're like, I'm gonna become a better, more healthy person. I'm gonna start this new diet plan and it lasts for six weeks or three weeks or six months. But then after a while, what happens? It kind of fades away. Becoming a new person is really difficult. You can say, I wanna become one. I want this to become a reality in my life. But getting there or achieving that doesn't always come, right? Or think about it this, like, you, have a, you want to have a bad habit that you want to change. Say, for example, you, you smoke, and you're like, I want to quit smoking, and that's really difficult for me to do. And so, like, you're going you're gonna to try to quit smoking, but you have to go through all this change, this process. And many of you who've experienced smoking, you know quitting just like that isn't, it doesn't happen, right? And so you have these things you want to change. You want to become a new person, but that's not always how it pans out. And so here's the thing. Actually, not, here's the thing. You, you, know, you guys know that I love hobbies, right? And I go through a lot of hobbies. Some of them stick, okay, like cycling and stuff. I love doing that. But some of them don't stick, okay? Now, I've told you about many of my hobbies before. And uh, one day I was at Hobby Lobby, and I was walking through, and I saw all this art stuff, and like this you know, painting and drawing. And I had I've I've, I've been in it in the past. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to restart that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a a drawer and a painter again, and so I bought this acrylic set. I bought some uh, canvases and this this mixed media notebook, and I've I bought some other like different shades of pencils. And I was like, I'm gonna get this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna get into this again, and then I got home and realized I had five kids, and uh, (laughs) that's just not happening, right? Similarly, uh, I told you guys last year at some point I bought a sewing machine. I was gonna get into sewing. And, uh, and so I bought this cool, like, make-your-own-gear pack of, like, learning how to make different sacks, like, you know, stuff sacks and gear stuff. And I bought a sewing machine from this girl on Facebook Marketplace. And I met her, and uh, I was honest with her, because I met her, and she's like, yeah, I bought it. And then I just stuck it in my closet for eight years. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking to do the same thing. <laughs> and, uh, and so I got it, and I learned I made a lot of really cool stuff sacks, by the way. There's only so many things you can stuff in sacks before you're, you're out of things to stuff in sacks. And uh, so I made those things, and then I, st- I made a shelf, and I put it on the shelf, and it's not been removed from the shelf ever since. Like, I like hobbies, and I'm like, I look at these hobbies, and I'm like, I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to become a good sewer. I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to get into art again. I'm going to paint someone. I'm going to paint a face. You know, I'm going to paint this, you know, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to paint this cool scene. I'm going to have the light coming in off the lake. It's going to be beautiful. But then, like, when it comes to carving out time in my life to make this a reality, to make me a new man that has these new things that I'm doing in my life, it doesn't happen. Why? Because you have all these other things going on. All of your other hobbies you're trying to do, right? But also, you got to go work, and you got to make kids lunches, or you got to send one more email before you go to bed, or you got to do, you have all these things that you need to do that prevent you from becoming this new person that you want to become, and eventually what happens? You're just like, yeah, I'm not even going to fool myself anymore. That sewing machine is definitely staying up there for a while, you know? You just kind of lose interest after a while, right? Now, on a more serious note, you and I also have this same dealings in our own life with sin, right? Every single one of us here, like we're called to become a new person in Christ, but we have these issues in our lives, these sin areas in our lives that we battle regularly or we have in the past won great victory over, or now we just continue to live in just because we've become apathetic towards it. But we have these battles that rage in us week in and week out, and we find it difficult To learn how to become a new person in them. To win victory over them and to be able to move forward, right? Likewise also, with the command to live on mission, to share the gospel in our normal lives. Or to invite your next door neighbor to come to church with you. We hear that call and we think, yes, Jesus calls me to do that and I feel guilt over not doing it sometimes. But I don't have the courage, I don't have the power, I don't have the ability. That's just not my thing, I can't handle that. And we kind of push it down, and we're like, I can't live in that. I can't be obedient to that because it's just not in me to be able to carry that out in my life. You see, when you're called to do something, but you feel like you don't have aid to be able to get there, then where that leaves you is feeling just eventually apathetic towards it. Why? Because you're discouraged. You're discouraged, and it leaves you apathetic. When you have a command, you don't have a way to achieve it, it just leaves you discouraged, and then apathy, apathy comes. And so, the thing is, is living obediently to God, living up to the standard of being a new person in Christ, if that is like the standard to live up to, it's an impossible task because we're sinners, right? However, Paul's prayer in the Spirit, or for the Spirit, he wants the Spirit to grant us an awareness of this great power that is working in us and is at our disposal, that we have it available to us. Like, here's the thing. Paul wants you and me to know that we aren't left alone in this. That's what he's trying to get you to understand. See, Paul wants the Spirit to teach you that we have a great hope, that you're incredibly valuable to God, and that you're not left alone. See, in your, live, in your life, trying to live up to being a new person in Christ. It's not left for you alone to achieve. That's what Paul wants you to understand. There is a great power working in you and available to you to be able to carry out God's good design in our world and in your life. See, beginning with the hobbies, I'm a handy guy. I like like building things and working on things and whatnot. And so uh, I usually do my best to work on things around the house, projects, and not pay someone else to do it, Um, and car stuff as well. So uh, last year, I had an issue with my car, my Civic, that like as I was driving, I would hear this metal grinding sound. And uh, if you're familiar with cars, you know that's not a good sound. And so there's a metal grinding sound in the engine. And so After a while, I'm sitting there. I let it go for a couple months just thinking it's going to go away, (laughs) and uh, it didn't. And so I've got the hood popped, and I'm trying to figure out where is this coming from. So it's, like, coming from the alternator area, and I'm, like, trying to pinpoint it. You get the screwdriver down, you hear it, listen, trying to hear, like, is the sound coming from in here? Is the sound coming from over there? I eventually found out it was from a tensioner that goes on your uh, serpentine belt. And so if you're familiar, on the side of your engine, there's a belt that goes like this that powers multiple things, and one of them is your alternator, and just goes like this just around and around and around. And, uh, and there was a tensioner that puts tension on that belt, and it was that tensioner was the problem. When you open your engine and you're like, okay, there's a metal grinding sound in here somewhere. I need to find it and fix it. If you and I open that up, we're like, I don't know where to go. How do you even know what to do? Enter the great grace of YouTube. YouTube will teach you everything you need to know, right? So grinding sound, Honda Civic, near alternator, I don't know. And this, you can have people on YouTube point you to directly, hey, it might be this. It might be a tensioner. It might be this thing. And we figured it out. Thanks to the grace of YouTube, it wasn't me left on my own. I had a great power with me, the great power of YouTube, with all these mechanics working alongside me to pull figure this thing out. Here's what ended up happening, just in case you want to know. It was a tensioner. Developed play in it, and it was the, the play, like the tensioner was pulled to the side, hitting another wheel, and is was grinding into the side of the tensioner. Simple enough. Take it off, put a new one on. Done. Hey, it was great. It was a great fix. Now the car doesn't grind anymore. Thank you to the great grace of YouTube, this great power at work in my life, allowing me to fix the things, the problems that I've got going on, right? Now, why do I tell you that? Because your spiritual life functions the same way. You left on your own, sometimes you're left thinking, I can't live up to what God calls me to do. I can't figure out this problem. I can't figure out this relationship issue. I can't figure out this sin issue. I don't know what to do. And Paul says, I want you to understand the great grace that is available already working in you and available to you. The power of God himself is at work for you. You're not left alone. God wants to work with you to bring these things to fruition in your life. And so here's the question. What does it actually mean to have power? Like if you have a power available to you from heaven, what does that actually mean? Well, what it means to have power, it means to have the the ability or the capability to carry out something or some task. It's you have the capability to do it. That's what power is. And when we say that God has power, it means that God has the ability or the capability to act as he desires and to function as he desires without hindrance. That's what it means for God to have power. Is God can do what he wants when he wants to do it. That's power. And so when we say that God grants us power to carry things out, that means that God supplies you and me the ability or the capability to carry out what God calls us to do. That's what it means. So when God grants you power, that means He's granting you the capability, you the ability to carry out or live up to the things that He calls you to live up to according to His design, right? He's not left you alone, but he's got the Spirit working in you right now, like today, granting you the power to live according to how he calls you to live. And that is a great thought, like to giving you the ability to walk by the Spirit, to put on the new self, to live with joy, to kill sin, to live obediently, to exert the boldness enough to go talk to your next-door neighbor and invite them to come sit with you at church next week. Like the boldness, the Spirit of God is putting that in you to be able to carry that out. You're not left alone. The Spirit of God is working in you. Now, next what Paul does, a, he doesn't just leave it there and say, listen, there's a power available to you. It's a good power. It's a great power. Like, no, no. He moves on next to tell you how vast this power is, how vast it is. See, the first thing is it's available. The second thing is the vastness of it. Look at verse 20 with me. says he exercised this power, the exact same power that he's talking about is available to you. He exercised this power in Christ first by raising him from the dead. And seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The first thing that Paul teaches you and me, that this power is capable of doing, is raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Raising a man from the dead. That's the first thing this power has already accomplished, But it didn't stop there. The second thing that this power that is available to you and me has accomplished is it didn't just raise him from the dead, but it also raised him up and seated him in the heavens, giving him the place of honor above all things. Now, Jesus is seated on his throne in heaven, reigning over all things, but he doesn't just stop there. But the power actually moves on and says he subjected everything under his feet subjected everything under His feet. So, this power raised Jesus from the dead. This power granted Jesus honor in heaven on His throne. This power now gave Him authority over all things on earth, both that exist in our earthly realm, but also in the heavenly realms in this age, but also in the one to come, for all time. This power was capable of putting Jesus in that position of authority for all time. And then the fourth thing that it does, it's capable of doing, is it appoints him as the head over everything for the church. And it's kind of interesting that Paul just singled that out. Kind of tells us a little bit how important it is. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, He's granted the seat of honor, granted the position of authority, and also granted authority for the benefit of our church. Not just our church, but the church. Jesus has granted authority for that. And so Paul in this is saying... I want you to understand, I want the Spirit to impress into your heart how great of a power is at your disposal for work in your life to become like Jesus and to live up to what God calls you to live up to, to see these things play out in your life. He's like, that power that did that for Jesus is the very same power that I'm talking about for you. That's what he's saying in this. And so consider this, what's there for you to do here? Like, what's the, what's the call? What's the takeaway from this? Believe it. Believe it. Believe it and live in it. Like, consider the hope or the expectation or the, the optimism, the confidence that would come and the peace in your own life that would come to you if you truly believed that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you at work in your life. Like, it's kind of hard to consider, but really, if you truly believed that the same power that was raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and is available to you to work through you and in your life, just think about how much more confident you would be, how much more optimistic you would be. How much more at peace you would be in your life. Like, I've got a couple questions, but I just got to, I'm going to walk through them for you. If this is true, if you truly come to believe that that power is available to you, who might you pray for more? Because you know that the Spirit of God actually could work in that person. Who would you feel a little bit more grace toward? because you know that they are capable of change through the power of God? Like, who would, you, who would you feel a little bit more grace toward? Like, how might you fight sin harder in your life, knowing that the power of God was working in you in the battle, and that victory was a very real possibility? Like, what would you put in place in your life to battle sin differently, knowing that you really could win? Like, where would you worry a little bit less, but instead be filled with a little bit more confidence? Like, what would you worry about less? If the power of God is really available to you? Or in what would you feel a little bit less hopeless? Like, in what situation would you feel less hopeless, but a little bit more hopeful about? Because the power of God is available to you. And like, who are you praying for and who are you reaching out to with confidence? Like inviting to church to come with, like inviting them to come with you to church. Like like who are you praying for to have those kind of conversations, to share the gospel, the hope that you have come to know? Like knowing that the power of God is at work and is capable of giving you the confidence and the ability to be able to have that conversation. Like, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. He can give you the power to say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? (laughs) Or like, hey, do you want to, even easier, even easier than that, hey, you go to church anywhere? You want to come sit with me? You know, one of the easiest questions where I've actually turned it, because I I try to catch people not thinking that I'm coming with an agenda, Um, and I also don't lead with I'm a pastor. (laughs) Uh, That'll change the conversation real quick. But one question that has uh, been real helpful for me, that like just thinking about the, the, the power that God has available to me, is I lead with, hey, are you religious at all when I'm, when I'm meeting a new person? And that opens so many conversations with people. Just say, hey, are you, are you religious? And why can you do that? Why can you have that kind of conversation? The power of God is available to you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to grant you the courage. be able to carry this out, right? I want you to hear Paul's statement at the end of another prayer in Ephesians, in chapter 3. Here's what he says when he's praying for power, actually. Now, to him who is able to do above and beyond what all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. The question is do you believe it? Like, do you believe it? Are you asking for his power to be displayed in your life to grant you a victorious life? Are you asking for it? You see, when it comes to living, a new life in Christ, living a victorious life, an empowered life as a new Christian, you and I ask for too little in most cases. We ask for too little. See, what Paul says is, I want you to consider how great of a power is available to you because God is working in you and desires to work through you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. Do you believe it? And so let's pray. So Father, we come before you, and we thank you for your word. And so I pray that you would capture our hearts with it, to be, help us to be filled with confidence that you have a desire to work in us, you have a desire to work through us, and it's a, your strength, your power is available to us to help us to be capable to carry out what you desire for us to carry out. And so hope is to be mindful of the fact that you haven't left us alone, but you grant us everything we need for life and godliness. And so we pray for faith to believe it and courage to live it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so if you're here this morning and you're new to the Jesus thing, you're checking things out, you're unsure about this, Uh, what Paul would want you to know is the same power that we're talking about that raised Jesus from the dead and that is available to Christians to be able to live up to the, the life that God calls us to live is available for you to lead you to salvation in Jesus Christ. So we say Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't just for the sake of rising from the dead, but it was in fact to save all of us from our sins. See, your sins and my sins Lead us to be separated from God. But God didn't want that to be the case. And so He sent His Son Jesus to live the perfect life, to die the death that you and I deserved. But then He raised from the dead and now reigns as Lord, as the boss over all things in heaven. And now you and I are called by faith to believe. Believe that when He died, that it does something for your life. It rids you of your sins. It grants you forgiveness. And in response, we turn to Him and we say, "Now we want to follow You as the new Master or Lord over our lives." And when that happens, the power of God comes into you, grants you the strength to believe, but then also to obey. And if that's you, if if that's where you're at, here's what you do: you turn to Him by prayer you say, Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you rose again from the dead. And that by doing that, you grant me forgiveness for my sins and now I can follow you with my life. And when you do that, you become a Christian. And so if you would like to pray with someone about that, I'll be standing in the back corner back there. And so next as the band plays, I want you to consider... How does the Spirit call you to live by His power?